You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want to inspire you to be in your financial front seat by knowing what you own, what you owe, how to reach your goals, and by having an annual checkup. Learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Chatsky. Welcome to Her Money. So sometimes things just feel like they are meant to happen. I was here in our lovely CDM studios recording a podcast a couple of months ago. And across the hall, because it's a big place, sort of big in terms of there are multiple studios during multiple recordings at the same time, Kara Awaleba, who is a master life coach, you probably know her because she is the host of the mega popular podcast, Style Your Mind. She's creator of The Champagne Diet. She was across the hall recording her book, and her book is just out, and we invited her to be here, and she's here to celebrate the release. The book is called Like She Owns the Place. Give yourself the gift of confidence and ignite your inner magic. So, Kara, it's great to see you again, and thank you for being here, and congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, and it is so crazy the way that everything worked out, and I feel like it was totally meant to be, and I'm so grateful to be on the show. Well, we are really, really happy to have you because we have talked about a lot of gaps on this show. We've talked about the leadership gap. We've talked about the wage gap. We will absolutely continue to focus on those until they are closed tight shut. But we really haven't focused on the confidence gap. And I know that that is at the heart of your work. You say that maintaining confidence is work that requires patience and dedication and forgiveness and self-compassion. So let's just put it out there with a big question. What is confidence? Confidence is a series of choices to accept yourself and celebrate yourself. It's something that has to be practiced daily. I treat confidence as a religion. It is not something that we can just, you know, flip a switch on and turn on in ourselves and never have to think about again. And I think that's like the biggest misconception. People look at confident women and and they think, well, she's just she has that going on. She's Mm -hmm. got it going on. She feels good about herself. And we think that they never have a moment of a breakdown or they never have a moment of insecurity or self-doubt. And I think that's just really not true. So I, I wrote this book because I really wanted to address that. And I really wanted to show women that confidence comes from within, sustainable confidence. It's an inside job. It's not something that we can achieve by losing 15 pounds or getting a promotion at work or buying the car that we've always wanted to drive. It's something that really starts inside of us. When you think about that woman who is the one in the room who has it, the most confident women in the room, who is she? She's somebody that is so okay with herself and so not afraid to fail. I think that's something that I really, really want to drive home. Like, we we assume that people who are confident always get it right. We assume that people who are confident never have a moment where they doubt themselves or where they make a mistake or where they make a choice that maybe they wouldn't have made, you know, a year or two later. So she's the woman who is just so comfortable in her own skin. That's something that I have worked on for so many years, just trying to become comfortable in my own skin, not just physically, but just emotionally and in from like a really deep, deep 
level. There are so many culprits that work against us. Yes. I mean, I was thinking this morning I was in the car going to the Today Show, which is normal for me, and I um, I saw on uh, – social media that it was a friend's birthday. And I I tweeted out, let's all throw a Twitter party for this friend of mine. I got no responses. Like, it was a big thud. And I I just, for the rest of the hour, was thinking, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. We are so tuned into waiting for other people to tell us that we're okay that it makes it hard. It does. And especially in the age of social media, right? Like we're we're putting our confidence in the hands of strangers essentially on the internet. How many people are going to follow us on Instagram? Who's liking our post? Who's engaging with us? And when we realize that we can create that feeling of confidence within ourselves and it doesn't exist outside of ourselves, I think that's the moment that it changes. Confidence is a big problem when it comes to money too. Oh, I, God, we, yeah. we feel like nobody taught us how to do this, and therefore we have no right to be confident where our finances are concerned. And although men are kind of okay projecting confidence, even if they aren't confident, women just aren't. How do you see it playing out in the world of finance? Oh God, that's a that's a big a big issue, you know. Especially when we're in an age now where everybody is promoting like this million dollar business and make all this money so quickly, and no one is talking about what really that looks like. Like, what does it actually look like to have a really successful business? What are you actually making right after you're paying your employees and after you're you know covering all of your expenses? Do you have money saved up? Do you have investments? So it definitely plays a role in confidence. I know I have gone through many, you know, different. I guess, stages of financial independence and financial confidence when I was younger, like most people, you know, I got a credit card and I thought it was like a gift certificate and right. I just blew through the whole thing. <laughs> like, it took me about 10 years to pay it off. And finally getting to a point now where I am able to make money doing what I love and know that as an entrepreneur, I can make money whenever I want to. That to me feels like confidence, you know, not like waiting for a paycheck to come in or not feeling like, you know, I have to kind of, you know, I'm going to reach some glass ceiling in a corporate career. So I think being able to find financial confidence through entrepreneurship has been a big, a big game changer for me and so many women. When you talk to your clients, the women that you coach, is that, are they asking questions about money? They are. They really just want to know how to make more of it. And I try to tell them that's not the answer. Because <laughs> if you make more of it and you're spending it all, you know, is that really truly, you know, a good situation to be in? It's really what you're doing with your money, I think. Um, so it is for sure a question. I think people value themselves on how much money is in their bank account. Um, they value themselves on how much debt they have. And I think, you know, you have to be confident in who you are no matter what your financial situation looks like because you have to feel good about yourself before you can then go work on things like your finances. You know, it's interesting when you say people measure themselves by how much money they have. I know men measure themselves by how much money they have. And you say again and again that we don't need to think like a man. Mm -hmm. So how can we understand our differences and get ourselves to think like confident women? I think it just comes down to authenticity and being ourselves. And I talk about this a lot throughout the book. You know, there's so many books out there and there's such a narrative of like, you know, you're, these are the top 10 mistakes you're making or you should think this way. Think like a man, you know, 
be tough, be hard, have this kind of shell. And if we can sort of clear out that noise and just think about who we are, because everyone is different. Every woman is different. Some women are a little bit more aggressive. Some women are softer. And if you can just get to a place where you can say, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to show up, I think that's when you start to feel differently about yourself because you're not on this hamster wheel of trying to be somebody else. How did you do it? I'm still doing it. <laughs> still figuring well, it take, out every day. Take us back. For for those people who are listening who don't know the champagne diet, how did you get started and how did you become who you are today? So I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. I always knew I wanted a creative career. That was always a dream of mine. But like many, I got sucked into a corporate job thinking it would be a stepping stone for me. I worked at MTV. I was an ad trafficker. It's about as unsexy as it sounds. I didn't know what it was going into it. And I took the job, and I always had another dream for myself. But I took the job because I thought that's what I should do. It's got a 401k and benefits, and it's, you know, a good salary. And I found myself at a a fairly young age, it was in my mid-20s, just feeling totally unfulfilled. So I started a blog on the side to really document what I was going through that was inspired by a glass of champagne. So I jokingly called it the champagne diet. But what that is, it really just became this lifestyle for me. And it was almost like I was living this kind of like – you know, double life. Like I was going to this job every single day and I was so uncreative and I was so not me. And then at night I would go home and blog and I'd write these stories about what I was really going through on the inside. That blog led me to become a life coach. I went to school at night while I was working at my full-time job. I I really craved the connection that I was forming with women in being so vulnerable and sharing my story, like literally just putting it out there on the internet to strangers. And I was just, I was loving that connection. So I became a coach and then I knew that I wanted to write a book. So I wrote my book. I wrote a few books from my cubicle, from my desk job. And then the point came where I I had to really weigh the options. And I mean, talk about money. That was a really scary move because I was, you know, I was, quote, set up, you know, in this in this job. But I knew that I wanted more for myself. So I had to take a risk. And I had I was building something on the side. I was coaching, not making, you know, even close to what I was making in my my day job. But I had to really trust myself and know that I was going to be okay. And I had to just cut that cord and and just energetically separate myself from my full-time job. And I did. And I mean, it's just, I've never looked back. It's been an incredible journey. For people who are thinking that they want their own thing, I mean, I did it very much like you did, although I got fired. That's how I left my day job. (laughs) But I was building this other thing on the side, and it made it a lot easier to say, okay, I'll do this. I have this. I have. I think we should all these days have a side hustle just as an insurance policy. Totally agree with you. I'll never forget the day that I quit. My boss was like, I wish I had something else that I really love to do. I'm envious. And he was an SVP at the company, you know, and I thought to myself, well, okay, I, I do. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have it figured out. <laughs> you got it. You got it. We are talking with Kara Alwil-Leba, and we will continue this conversation. I want to hear more about how the women who are listening to this show can build their confidence and the steps that they should take. But before we do that, let me just remind everybody that Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments because our shared mission is to get you having conversations like this, to get you talking about money and inspiring you to be in your financial front seat. And that is true whether you are just entering the workforce or running a business or taking a break to raise a family or getting ready to retire. Fidelity has tools and resources that can help you really understand where you are today 
and help you get where you want to go. And you can learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. We are happy to be back with Kara Awileba, author of the new book, Like She Owns the Place. And you all have to see this cover, by the way. The what color pumps are those? Are they like electric they're like green? Neon yellow or something? Yeah, yeah. They're like they are the color of an apple martini. Yes, right? Yes. Those are they are apple martini pumps and they look fabulous on the cover of this book right next to your shocking pink hair. So I'm always mixed on people who put their pictures on their books, and and I'm having a fight with my own publisher right now because I don't want to be on the cover of my next book. It was book. scary. But seeing this picture, I think, well, um, maybe I just need the right shoes. That, <laughs> this was a lesson in confidence if I've ever seen one. Like when I got the email that they wanted me on the cover, I immediately went to like a state of panic. Like, oh, my God, I got to work out. I have to do this. I have to get my hair done. I have to like look perfect. And it was very stressful. But when it finally happened, I really just tried to be present in the moment and enjoy it. And just know that like people were going to connect with me more if they mm-hmm. could see my face. So I really I recommend doing it. If you... Figure it out. Have a glass of champagne. Glass of champagne and the right shoes. (laughs) And the right shoes. It's clearly, it is clearly all about the shoes. All right. Let's talk about getting confidence because I have always sort of been a subscriber to, did you see You've Got a Zoo or We Bought a Zoo? Did you see the movie We Bought a Zoo? You should see We Bought a Zoo because Matt Damon tells this story about wanting to talk to this woman who becomes his wife. And his older brother, at some point in their past, said, all you need is 20 seconds of bravery. Mm-hmm. And he wills up his confidence, and he gets himself brave for 20 seconds. He talks to the woman. It changes his life. And I've always, not in that same way, but sort of felt like I am going to fake my way through the first half a minute, and then I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? You know, I try to really get to a place where I can shut it off. And I I joke around that I like black out when I have my moments when I'm on TV or I'm on a radio show or a podcast where I just I don't get in my own head. I think that's our worst enemy when we start overthinking, overanalyzing. What do I sound like? What am I going to say next? And I just I mean, I'm very spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I sort of just ask the universe, like, just please speak through me you know, give me what I need. Like, I know we're all meant to be here for a reason. So I ask the universe, God, whatever divine power, like, just just do what you need to do through me today. That's who I'm showing up as. I want to serve people. I want to be here for women. I want to help women. So kind of giving myself that little moment, that little prayer, that mantra, whatever, just to kind of just see whatever is going to come out of me and not get too caught up in thinking about messing up. I think what we focus on expands. So if we focus on the fear and the anxiety around showing up and being confident, we're going to get more of that. Oh, I think you're totally right. I also think having confidence in that you really know your stuff is mm-hmm. important. So preparation. Yes. Really, I mean, at least it helps me for sure be more confident in a scenario where I might not feel as confident. And doing what you really, truly love, and I think doing things that align with who you are. I know I've said yes to certain things, whether it was an event or an appearance that I really in my gut was like, I don't know if this is the right vibe for me. And in those moments, I have felt insecurity creep in. Mm -hmm. But when I do things that feel good and I follow my intuition, I always have a good experience with them. How do you know which things are the right things or which ones to say no to? It takes time. And, you know, you you hear a lot of voices, especially as you work with more and more people, as you kind of grow in your career, you should do this. 
people think they know what's right for you. And I think it's important to have an open mind, but still also trust that little nudge that you have inside of you. And I think spending time alone, spending time with yourself really helps. Being alone with your thoughts and being okay with those thoughts, whatever they are. That is hard. It's really hard. It's really tough, but it's something that is just so crucial. You know, if you ask 10 people the same question, you're going to get 10 different answers. You know, I call it polling. When we start polling people, should I dye my hair pink? I mean, that was like the biggest question I asked people for so long, and everyone had a different opinion. But when you can learn to just really ask yourself, like, what is going to make me truly happy? And just like 20 seconds of bravery, 20 seconds of courage to go and do the thing. I think that's when we start to live a different kind of life. You've talked an awful lot about women supporting other women. I know this is key in your mission. Mm -hmm. Tell me about where the desire to help women in particular comes from. You know, I, like many women, had very bad experiences, especially when I was younger, with other women either being just envious or catty or gossipy or just had a kind of bad taste in my mouth, and I didn't want that feeling. And I knew that I had great women also in my life who had come in and kind of helped me through those times. And I remember when I first specifically started out as an entrepreneur, I saw two different groups. I saw the group of women who were coming from a place of lack, who were coming from a place of scarcity and fear. And then I saw these women who were just out there, like, living their lives, supporting each other and lifting each other up. And I was like, I want to be with that group. So I immediately made a decision that I was going to be a champion for women and that I was going to help the women around me. And it's just, it creates such a good feeling to know that you could do something for somebody, or even if it's just giving them a word of advice, mm -hmm. um, rather than trying to tear somebody down. Or I mean, nobody feels good gossiping about anybody. Nobody feels good having a negative opinion of someone else. And if you don't vibe with somebody or you don't, you know, you just have to let it go. That's another thing that I think is so important when it comes to support, just not getting caught up in that cycle of hating and, and just, you know, feeling negative. I think just focusing on the people around you who are great and who are fantastic, who you love. And As you left your corporate world and you built this business one step at a time, how was your financial journey? It was great. I have to say, knock on wood, I really was surprised because I had, you know, of course, people in my ear telling me like, you know, you're going to have to turn off your cable and don't get manicures anymore. And it's going to be hard. You're going to bootstrap. And I chose not to believe that. So I am a big believer that money is energy and that the energy we put into our finances and the way that we show up really manifests. So I knew. Hey, explain a little bit more. <laughs> so I feel like when we have a negative feeling about money. So for example, if I had quit my job and I said, I'm just never going to make it. It's going to take me 10 years. I'm not going to have any money. I would have created that feeling for myself. I would have had that energy and I would have maybe not gone for things that I would have done or not been able to put a certain energy into the work that I was doing. But instead, I chose not to listen to that story, and I chose to believe that I would be successful. And from that point, I was able to create things that did produce revenue. The vibe I was in was very different. I always tell people we cannot create quality content from a low vibration. So if we're in a place of desperation and we're feeling like, I have to make money this month, whatever you put out is going to suffer. Whatever content you put out. I mean, don't you yeah, agree? Yeah, oh, like, totally. It's just a different feeling, and people pick up on that feeling. I had an agent at one point who said— Act with confidence. And and I think that's exactly what you're saying in a different way, that yeah. if I believe it, 
is going to be true and I act like it's going to be true, then it's going to be true because yep. I'm going to will it to happen. Yeah. And you're going to take those action steps that make it happen. It's it's the thing with manifesting that I think people get confused on is they think, well, if I just imagine it and I wish for it, it'll come to me. But then you have to do the work to back it up. Exactly. So you have to picture it and imagine it. I'm big into visualization, but then you actually have to do those things. And I mean, by my second year, I had tripled my salary, my six-figure salary at MTV. So I made it happen. And I know that I made it happen in a way that felt real and authentic to me. And I loved every minute of it. And it doesn't mean there weren't fears and insecurities that came up, but it's totally possible to be successful and, and do it your way. Word of advice for all of our listeners out there who are listening to you and thinking, yes, I want some of that. Besides reading the book, which they should all do, what else? Just be you. I know it sounds so cliche. Be yourself. You are enough. I wrote this book because I wanted people to feel okay in their own skin. I didn't want to write a book, another book that would, you know, tell people these are the mistakes you're making. This is how you're screwing up. This is how you should live. There's no wrong way to be yourself. Just be you. Trust that you have everything you need to create the life you want to live and just start. Take action. Get out there. I love that there's no wrong way to be you. The book is Like She Owns the Place. Kara Awaleba, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Kelly has joined me in the studio. Kelly Haldgren, of course, our producer. Hi, everyone. Resident millennial. Yes. Yes. She's fabulous. Oh, my goodness. I have a big girl crush on her now. And I, I read her book. It's fantastic. Yeah. Really recommend it. And I love what she said about intention because I had such a problem with the book The Secret when it came out years ago that, you know, if you open yourself to money, it will come. And I I mean, what bothered me about it was that it missed all of the in-between steps. Sure, open yourself to money. That's great. But right. then do the work. Right. People do the work. I loved the parallels from her definition for confidence of being something that you have to work on on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's a series of repeated decisions similar to how you improve your relationship with money or improve your finances. The same thing can be applied to ourselves. It's it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Increasing your confidence isn't going to happen overnight. It's a lifelong pursuit and a lifelong decision in and of itself to not be so hard on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. To, to give ourselves breaks. Yep, absolutely. I was thinking about the first time that I went on television, I was sick as a dog. I mean, I literally was like physically ill. Oh my um, goodness, I don't think not, I knew this. not on the air, thankfully, but before the air and after the air. Um, TMI, sorry. <laughs> but um, and and I was pretty sick for two years. Like I was it took me two years to sort of get over the butterflies and it, it got better because you sort of you keep doing it and it I think confidence is a muscle. You know, mm -hmm. it is something that if you work on and if you just encourage yourself, it comes around. All right. We've got questions. What <laughs> we do we do. have? Our first one today is from Lucy. Hi, Kelly and Jean. I have 15000 in a CD that is about to mature. I would like to invest all of the money and wasn't sure whether I should A, save all 15000 in a traditional savings account and then use for Roth contributions for the next three years, or B, save 5500 for Roth and then invest the rest in a taxable account. I work for a nonprofit and will not be exceeding the Roth income limit in the next few years. I keep reading online that the best time to invest is 
now, in all caps. This leaves me torn, because I know in the next few years, I won't likely have the savings to fund the Roth. Any thoughts are appreciated. Sure. So I don't think it's an either-or choice. What I would do, because I I don't need to go back over the whole scenario again, is put what you can in a Roth for this year. You will be able to, when the calendar turns over again, which is just a few months, make another Roth contribution for next year. And if you want to invest the money that you're unable to put into a Roth right now, put it in a taxable investment account and then move it to a Roth. It doesn't have to sit in savings in order to go into a Roth. You can take it out of a taxable account and do that too. You may decide it's not worth it. You'll keep that part in a savings account for now. And that that is absolutely fine. The other concept, though, that I wanted to bring up right now, because the markets have been kind of volatile, is this concept of dollar cost averaging, which we haven't talked about in a while. And dollar cost averaging is basically taking a certain sum of money and putting it to work over a period of time so that you get the ups and downs of the markets. And if you think that the markets may dip again or you're not sure exactly where they're headed in the near future, you might take that whole sum of money and you might say, okay, I am going to put $1,000 in a month in the same portfolio of stocks or mutual funds, the same portfolio of index funds, and I'm just going to do that until I max out my Roth contributions for this year and next year, and then I'll start the clock again in, what would it be, 2020? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let us know what you decide, Lucy. Thank you for writing in. Now, one from Kelsey. We have 22 years left on a 30-year home loan at 4.125%. This is our primary residence. We want to pay it down quicker. Would it be better to make extra principal payments to this current loan or refinance to a 15-year loan? I would make extra principal payments to this loan. And I'm saying that, Kelsey, because mortgage rates right now are not too far removed from the rate that you've already got. In fact, I believe they've actually, and this is at the time we're recording this episode, they're actually a little higher than the rate that you have. And even if you could lock into a similar rate on the 15-year loan, then you would be obligated to make those 15-year payments. As it is right now, you're not obligated. So if something else were to happen in your life, you could divert the money to another use if you needed to. I would just make extra principal payments. Make sure that you write on the check that the extra money is for principal. That's important. And good luck. I mean, it's a really, really valuable strategy to know about. If you make just one extra mortgage payment every single year on a 30-year fixed-rate loan, you basically shorten the term of it to about 24 years, Mm. which saves you a heck of a lot of money in interest. Yep. Okay. And we'll do one more from Judith. What is the best way for me to locate a qualified financial advisor, fee-only based in my area? And also, what are five or so questions I should ask them when I call to make an appointment? Since you specified fee-only, I'm going to send you to NAPFA. NAPFA is N-A-P 
F like Frank, A, it's the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors at napfa.org. And they have a zip code locator on the website. You can type in where you are, get a short list of fee-only financial advisors. And you can, when you go into their office, ask them the following questions. Ask them how long they've been doing this. I like to see at least five years. Ask them how much this relationship is going to cost you. Some fee-only advisors charge an actual fee. Some of them charge a percentage of assets under management. You want to know how much this relationship is going to cost you. Ask them what they would do with the person in your financial situation. Ask them if they're a fiduciary. There's a lot of hubbub around the fiduciary rule at this point, but you want to know if they are obligated to behave in your best interest. Fiduciaries are. And then, and this is not a question for you to ask them, but wait to see what they ask you because a good financial advisor is going to spend a lot more time listening to what you want, what your goals are, than answering your questions. This is about you and what you want from this relationship, and they should be doing whatever they can to get their sense of whether they can help you meet your goals. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jean. Thanks, Kelly. And now it's time for our weekly Thrive segment. Amazon has not slowed on its quest for world domination. The retail giant recently announced that it's dipping its toes into healthcare when it acquired PillPack. And PillPack is an online pharmacy startup that delivers medication to the doorsteps of consumers. Speculation has it that Amazon might pair PillPack with Prime memberships in order to boost usage. With this acquisition, Amazon won't have to jump through hoops to get a pharmacy license since PillPack is already licensed to ship prescriptions in all 50 states. This deal could potentially drive down drug prices. Over $450 billion is spent annually on prescription drugs, just an FYI, if other pharmacies want to compete with Amazon. And you can see how this all might play out by looking at the recent moves that Amazon has made with Whole Foods. Right now, we see that Prime members can get an extra 10% off sale items. You look for a yellow tag at all Whole Foods stores in the United States. If you you're a Prime member and a Whole Foods shopper, make sure to redeem your discount by opening the Whole Foods app on your phone and scanning the barcode. We'll have to wait and see how all of this plays out, but I think it's interesting to look at where Amazon is putting a stake in the ground as you every year evaluate whether that Prime membership is worth paying for. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thank you to Kara Awaleva for the fantastic conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe, and our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week when we will be back with another great guest. We'll talk soon.